on ESPN Las Vegas. Daddy had a breakaway. Here we go. It's a Thursday. Welcome to the show. Ed, Tyler, and Jared, can you hear us? I can. Daddy's back. Are you clear? You clear? Daddy's well for now. Oh, God. <laughs> if they're not uh, shopping him on the back end to give up something <laughs> so someone can take him so the poor guy can't play the rest of the year. Uh, uh, has Daddy become your favorite player? Oh, 100%. Yeah. This is, this is one of it's. It is surpassed the Vadim Shipashov getting oh, yeah. basically just forced into retirement yes. by the Golden Knights. Yes. Like, like for whatever reason it is with Russians, they 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 don't go very well with the Golden Knights. Every time they have a Russian, it d- does not end very well here in Vegas. Valentin Zikov, that didn't go very well. So Evgeny Dodonov at the very top. And by the way, do you think you should rename one of your birds Daddy in honor of this oh, great saga? I don't think I'd get that past the house. We are locked into Milo and Maisie right now. I mean, we are locked even, in. Did we figure out they're both girls? <laughs> Right, even though they might not be a boy and a girl. Maisie's still 50-50 on the fence. <laughs> Milo's absolutely a boy, the way he acts, the way he rules the cage, rules the um, <laughs> mansion that my uh, wife set up for those birds. They're living better than me. Um, so absolutely, the Milo's still a guy. We're not sure about Maisie. She's kind of, you know, she's has a, she's, she's kind of on the fence, I think. She's 50. We're not really sure. Where are we in the process of them, like, leaving the cage and being able to fly around the house not near they're they're now standing on fingers though okay so you can you can get in there and they'll they'll jump absolutely. on your finger yes absolutely oh, yeah yeah phenomenal phenomenal cool, can't huh? wait for milo and Maisie or maybe max to be flying around the house <laughs> what if it is max and we don't know it yet i'll give you this if we figure out it's a max we'll name him daddy all right daddy bird not- wait it's gonna be great the first bite. The first bite is brought to you by our listener, Stephen. Will the Raiders regret the Devontae Adams trade? All right. You got to go through this in terms of what Bill Barnwell wrote, because I think I'm going to be negative Nelly here, and I think people will be mad about that. But but I'm, I think you're going to be negative Nelly as well, so that's usually <laughs> the case. So well, before, before we get to – so Bill Barnwell writes for ESPN, and he wrote a story about – basically why he doesn't think it was a great trade for the Raiders. I, but before we actually get to what he wrote, are you surprised there was as much public backlash to the Raiders making this trade as there was? Because Bill Barnwell wasn't the only one to write, hey, the Raiders, this is this was not smart. They should not have really? Yeah, you're gonna I mean, have to you have to clue me in on that. I now maybe I was just reading fans and blogs. I, I you were just listening I, to Jason Fitz. I didn't know. Well, <laughs> I didn't know national guys really came at them hard on this. That that yeah. surprises me actually. I I know Pro Football Focus had a couple of things on it about how it doesn't make a whole lot of sense given where the Raiders are, and then Bill Barnwell uh, as well was after it quite a bit. So let's let's go through Bills here. So he writes about the Raiders trade for Devontae Adams, and he wrote, "I'm not optimistic." We will look back on this deal in three years and think the Raiders feel great about it. You have to make a lot of assumptions to get this to turn out well for them in seasons to come. And so he actually went through and made, and here he said, here's the assumptions that you have to go with for this to be a good trade for the Raiders. So we'll, we'll go through these assumptions and see if we think they happen or not. The first assumption is that Devontae Adams will be a superstar for years to come. Should we make that assumption? Should we believe Devontae Adams will be a superstar for years to come? No, I think he can be really, really good, but he's 29, and we've talked about before how yeah, at some point wide receivers fall off a little. So superstar is, to me, 
again, the number one receiver in football for years to come. I don't know how many. I don't know how many years Bill's talking about. Um, if he's talking more than, but it, I don't know if he's gonna be a superstar next year. I think he's gonna be really, really good. To me, superstar puts you in a very, very elite level. And I know people out there are like, well, it's Devonte Adams, and I think he's gonna be really good. Could be great. But years to come for a guy who's twenty nine. Again, I I don't know what years means to, to to Bill Barnwell. Does it mean three or five or six? So based on the contract the Raiders signed, uh, three years is probably the window we should go with because those last two years on the contract are not going to happen. He's got a forty million dollar cap at those last two years. So even if he's if the Raiders still want him, they're going to restructure it. But three years, I think, is the window to look at. And I. I think there's a chance, a pretty good chance, that Devontae Adams is a top 10 wide receiver for all three of those seasons. Is he the best in the league for all three of those seasons? Is he top three? That's where it becomes a question of, okay, are you paying top dollar for, like, the 10th best receiver as opposed to the number one receiver in football? And Devontae, you can make the argument over the last, what, four years or something that Devontae Adams has been the best receiver in the NFL. But I don't think he's going to be that for the next three seasons, but I still think he's going to be good enough that you're not going to look back and think, wow, Devontae Adams, that was a bust. Like, I still think we're talking about Devontae Adams as a top 10 wide receiver in football. Is top 10 a superstar? Probably not. I think you're probably looking at maybe four or five superstar wide receivers, something along those lines. So probably not. But I, I think if he comes in as like, if, if we look back and we're like, oh, he had the ninth most receiving yards over those three years with the Raiders. I think, I think that's okay. Like even if you're paying, it's a slight overpay, but I think that's okay because he wouldn't have fallen off the cliff. Now, if he, you know, he's 29, he played, he'll be 30. Like if he falls off a cliff, right. When he hits 31 or something like that. And it's just like the third or fourth best option on this team, then we're absolutely looking back saying this was terrible, but I, I don't think the drop-off will be that No, I don't think the drop-off will be that significant. I just saw the right. word superstar in years to come. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a reach. Right, and I and I agree. I don't know that he is, for the next three years, a top five receiver in the league, but I think he'll be close enough that you can be like, okay, that that's fine, even if he's not in that superstar realm. Here's the second assumption from Bill Barnwell. Devontae Adams will be able to sustain his greatness after losing Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think he's going to be great, and I think this is – here's the thing. I don't want to be unfair to Carr because it's Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, might be the best quarterback in football. And you could say you could put in a lot of quarterbacks that Devontae Adams will be with now, Derek Carr and others, top 10, 12 quarterbacks, where it might be hard to sustain it only because he was playing with the best quarterback. So this is a not a not a, shard, a shot at Carr. I still think he can be great and sustain the numbers – I'm not so sure about that because even though Renfro and Waller's numbers are going to come down, if we're going on stats here, I think Devontae Adams' numbers are going to come down as as well as we've talked about because they've got two other really, really good targets. So I think he can sustain to be a great wide receiver. But I'll say this, you're walking away from the best quarterback in football, and I don't know how you can't have some kind of drop. And again, that has nothing to do with Derek Carr because I don't want people out there to say, oh, you're ripping Carr. It has nothing to do with Derek Carr. It could be the eighth-best quarterback in the league. It could be the ninth best quarterback in the league. Whoever those, you know, it could be Matt Stafford. And he still might lose something because he's not playing with the best. I am fascinated to see because we get two examples of this. We now get Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill going away from, you know, what are largely considered the two best quarterbacks in football to other teams. And 
Tyreek Hill is going to be playing with uh, Tua and Devontae Adams will be playing with Derek Carr. And I, I think both are going to suffer in terms of their actual numbers simply because the quarterback's not as good. But again, I, I think similar to the to the first assumption there is Derek Carr a superstar. I think it's still going to be good enough. Like I, st- yeah, I it's think not like, he can be great. Right. It's not like Carr is going to com- be completely useless at getting the ball to Devontae Adams. So I, I think, like again, he's going to have somewhat of a dip going from Rodgers to Carr but I don't know that it's going to be a massive difference. So assumption number three, Devontae Adams makes the Raiders serious contenders in the AFC. I mean, I think he's going to play a part, but we've talked about it over and over. Who's in the offensive line and who they have defensively and how good are they defensively? I think those have a more of a better chance to make them serious contenders in the AFC than one wide receiver. Even though I think he can be really, really good, Who's protecting the quarterback, and how much better are they really defensively? Um, serious contenders, to me, means what? Make the playoffs for sure, and maybe have a deep run. And I just don't know if one wide receiver could have that kind of difference. This year, his cap hit is like eight or nine million dollars. So if we're looking at the cap, it doesn't make a huge difference this year. But next season, his cap hit explodes to thirty million dollars, and that's where I'm curious to see. Would they have been better off spending their money, like allocating that money to a couple of different positions and trying to find maybe a rookie wide receiver or just a cheaper wide receiver? That's what I'm curious to see, because when you go get Devontae Adams, it's going to cost you somewhere else uh, that you don't get to add a player, right? It might be this offseason, might be Stephon Gilmore this offseason, who the Raiders have been linked to a lot, but it's also been, well, they've spent a lot already. Maybe they don't have the cap space. So I think there's a there's a level here we might look back on and say, yes, Devontae Adams, even if he was great, they needed more than that position to improve, and they haven't done that. And so that might be an issue in terms of making them contenders. Uh, we're going to skip assumption four because that's talking about the Rams, and we'll, we'll get to that later in the show. Uh, assumption number five, the Raiders might as well trade their picks because they don't draft well. <laughs> well... Different well, you don't have to be so truthful I mean, about it. It's also different people drafting. So I, don't I think know if, that's the biggest. I, I think mean, that's the I don't know if you point. can make an assumption because well, it's not Gruden and Mayock drafting anymore. So these guys might be great at drafting or they might be the same. I mean, yeah. were they good at drafting before Gruden and Mayock? No. They have, they've uh, had like Reggie? two good draft no. classes. He, he drafted Carr yeah. and Khalil Mack. And then, yeah. I mean, they've, otherwise, they've dynamic. they've been pretty bad at drafting in the first round. Um, the sixth assumption is that the salary cap doesn't matter. Mm. <sighs> to certain teams, I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> Here, here's the thing with the salary cap and the whole the salary cap doesn't matter. The cap matters in terms of, like, total team roster build and where you can spend money. Right. They're lacking the, right now at certain positions. Right. The The whole saying about the salary cap doesn't matter, though, is that if a team really wants a certain player, they can make moves to clear salary cap space. They can find a way to do it. Now, it may be hard, and you're going to push money to the future, and it might hurt you in the future. You might lose a talented player somewhere or or make one angry because you restructured his contract or you cut him and tried to sign him back but you like but you can pretty much always do something if you really want a player so it it matters but like if the Raiders really want an offensive lineman they'll find a way to sign an offensive lineman like that's not going to stop them because I mean hell the Saints went the Saints were like 70 million over the cap and they were one of the teams interested in giving Deshaun Watson like $40 million a year? Like, that doesn't 
if the cap's real, that doesn't really add up a whole lot there. But it does, it does matter to an extent, and that you have a very it makes it more difficult to build a Devonte Adams and then go out and fill all your other holes. It makes it more difficult, but you can usually still find a way to do it. And here's the last assumption on Devonte Adams' trade to the Raiders being good. Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler come from a successful organization and know what they're doing. Well, of all the assumptions, this is more you can say it because you can't prove it yet because a lot of his you know, branches on the tree have gone and not done well at all. So this will definitely prove, again, yet again, is it all Belichick or do people actually take what Belichick did and go and are successful? And there's been more not, there's been more not than have. So I still think the jury's out on these two guys. Yeah, I think they have had a tremendous offseason if their goal was to make the playoffs, right? I think they've done a terrific job of increasing the Raiders' chances to make the playoffs this upcoming season. So, so far, I'd say they've they've been a success, but we're a couple months into their tenure. They haven't actually played a game yet. I think it's pretty foolish to assume they're going to be good coming from just because they're coming from the Patriots. Yeah. Like, we've seen that now out over and over and over and i mean hell it didn't work out for josh mcdaniels when he tried to do it before he was a, it was a disaster with the broncos so the raiders and the whole hey the patriot way is coming to las vegas it doesn't exactly mean that things are going to go well and in most cases it usually goes poorly when that happens but we'll see so far this offseason they have certainly made this team more competitive for a playoff spot this year all right coming up next we're going to stick right here with the nfl because has this been the craziest offseason as far as player movement goes? You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Ed, do you remember an NFL offseason like this before? Not with this many guys going around. These it are huge, been, huge, huge names. Yeah, it has been insane. Uh, StatMuse tweeted out yesterday, nine pro bowlers have been traded in the month of March. March isn't even over. I mean, I guess somebody else we could find out is going to get traded too. But Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, Matt Ryan, Yannick Ngakwe, Deshaun Watson, and Carson Wentz. Those Derek are Carr? Oh, no, he's bowlers. not on there yet. He hasn't been traded yet. Not yet. Uh, those are the pro bowlers that have been traded this month alone. Again, just this month. Uh, those are nine names, and those are some big names as well. You're talking about... Uh, a couple of quarterbacks, they're going to make impacts as far as their team's chances to win Super Bowls. You're talking about a couple of wide receivers that teams like Dolphins and Raiders are very excited about. And you're talking about defensive guys like Khalil, Yannick, and Gakwe that have been very good in their careers. So, of those nine, which one will make the biggest difference this season? I'd love to know how many games Deshaun Watson is going to play. So, I'm going to assume he's gone for half the season. I'll just make that assumption. You might be surprised. I think I think Ryan's a big enough upgrade yes. over Wentz. Yes. I think Matt Ryan's a big enough upgrade over Wentz to get them to the playoffs and I think he has a really good team around him. I fully expect the Colts to win their division and be in the postseason. I still think it's it's the Broncos getting Russell Wilson. Because the Colts, I mean, listen, they did not make the playoffs last year, but the Colts were a playoff team last year. I mean, they lost to the Jacks in the final week of the season, and that's what kept them out. But they were basically as good as the Raiders and the Chargers and all those teams that were fighting for the last couple of playoff spots. They're, the Colts were better than the Steelers who made the playoffs last year. I feel 100% confident saying that. Matt Ryan, to me, makes them better. But I think the, 
bigger upgrade is what the Broncos were able to do because the Broncos were not a playoff team last year. They were not close to being a playoff team last season. And if they had come back this year and somehow Drew Locke was still their quarterback, the Broncos would have been picked to finish last in this division. We would have been talking about the Broncos finishing with like four wins this year. Now we're talking about the Broncos going to the playoffs. We're talking about the Broncos maybe contending for the division and, and being a Super Bowl contender because they have Russell Wilson. I, I think it's Russell Wilson simply because of the the change in expectations of where the Broncos were to where they kind of expect to be this season. If you told me Deshaun Watson didn't get suspended at all, then I'd probably say Deshaun Watson changing the Browns. But Ooh. I just, I don't know. I, I think he's going to go on the suspended list. So, and if it's half the season, um, you know, they can still probably win a few games. And when it comes back, we talked about that, make a run. But who knows? I mean, I, I don't know how long they're going to suspend them for. Who's more likely to make the playoffs this year, the Browns or the Broncos? Probably. Oh, that's tough because the Broncos are in such a d- tough division. Yeah. Well, but Baltimore, he's back. Um, I'm gonna, I'll stay with your Broncos pick on that question. Because, again, I, if he's gone for eight games, even if they can win two or three, as good as he is, it's still coming back halfway through the season. And, I mean, they're not going to go eight or nine and zero down the stretch with him, even as good as he is. Um, so I'll stay with the Broncos on that question over Deshaun Watson uh, being that big of a change for the Browns. That's like that's actually one of the fun parts of this is of all the nine Pro Bowlers traded this month, there's a chance a lot of them missed the playoffs. I mean, the Broncos are in a really tough division. Uh, they get Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams, same situation he's in, same for Khalil Mack, right? All three of those guys go to the AFC West. Surely at least one of them is going to make the playoffs as a wildcard team, but I highly doubt all four teams in the AFC West make the playoffs. So that means one of those three joined a team and missed the playoffs. They missed the playoffs. Same for like Tyreek Hill going to Miami. I mean, they're still probably third best behind Buffalo and New England and their division after that. You know, like Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson go to Cleveland. They're probably third best in their division. I assume Matt Ryan's getting there. I don't think Carson Wentz is going like. Of all these nine Pro Bowlers to get traded, there's there's a good chance like seven of them miss the playoffs. They miss the playoffs, year, which would be, you look back on the offseason, you say, wow, all these teams went all in and didn't even make the playoffs, let alone win the Super Bowl this year. Which brings me to this question: And Gakwe will make it, probably. Yes. Um, eight NFL teams do not have a first round pick: Bears, Broncos, Browns, Dolphins, Colts, Raiders, 49ers, and Rams. A lot of those teams that acquired Pro Bowlers don't have picks do you view this simply as like a rams copycat hey the rams won the super bowl they haven't had a first round pick in like five seasons so teams should be copying them and now teams are well should i'm not so sure but are i believe they probably are here's the thing about and and we've seen this in basketball we saw it in the with the lakers uh, years ago there are copycats and you always say who won the who won it all and what did they do so but again the rams i think were you know, not only original in this, but they were special in this in terms of how many guys they did it with. I don't think these people can copycat them and do the same thing. Um, not all of them, at least. I mean, maybe a few of them. But, yeah, I think they looked at who won the Super Bowl and said, well, how did they get there? Look at what they did. And because it was so unique, I can't see all these eight teams being able to do that. The two differences, I think, are one, like you said, the Rams did it with a lot of pieces. Like if if – if one team had acquired like four of these nine pro bowlers, then we'd be like, oh yeah, that's what the Rams did. But 
most of the time it's like, yeah, they got one new pro bowler to their roster. That's probably not enough. That's not enough to do what the Rams did. And also, like we've talked about, the Rams did a really good job drafting outside of the top two rounds when they didn't have picks in the first two rounds. They've gotten starters outside of the first two rounds because ultimately, no matter what in the NFL, no matter where you draft them, no matter what star players you have, you basically have to have every single year, if you're going to be good, if you're going to win a Super Bowl or even contend, you have to have guys that you're not paying very much play very well. Like that, that just has to happen at some point for you to win a Super Bowl. And that's what the Rams got, even though they weren't drafting guys in the first round. They got guys that right. were cheap playing very well so that they could go out and add that star type of player almost every opportunity they had. So that's, I think, a big difference in terms of where the Rams are versus all these other teams. Because the Raiders, I mean, who on the Raiders is going to be good on a cheap contract this year? There's on a probably cheap not contract? Many There's not yeah. many of them. So you look at we talk about the offense being good, and it's like, well, Carr's probably about to get paid. Devontae Adams and Darren Waller have pretty good contracts. Like Hunter Renfro, if they don't extend him, would be the only one on that offense that you're looking around saying that guy is going to have a great season while not making very much money. Right. And then defensively, uh, Crosby got his extension. Chandler Jones got a bunch of money. And then in the secondary, I guess Trayvon Mullen might have a good year on a cheap contract. Like there's some, Yeah, there's some possibility where they get some good play, but more than likely those guys are kind of average players not great players so it's it's fascinating to try to find teams to to do what the rams did and i think what we're going to see a lot more of is there's like a there's like a 10 percent chance doing what the rams did actually works in your favor right right. and most teams going forward are going to fall into that they're going to fall down yeah they're going to fall short of it for sure miss the playoffs or something instead of actually being a contender all right coming up next Miles Simmons joins the show. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from Pro Football Talk is Miles Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. Good morning, Miles. Hi, Miles. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Um, All right. We have a bunch of teams that are trading away first-round picks to go get star players. It looks a lot like teams said, hey, the Rams won a Super Bowl doing that. Let's go do it, too. How many of them are actually going to be successful and, and good this season? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, it's funny because in the AFC, right, there's only going to be seven teams that make it into the postseason. So uh, one of these teams with a good quarterback or somebody that's traded for somebody is not going to make it, whether it's the Broncos out of the AFC West. I mean, look, there is certainly the possibility that all four teams in the AFC West can make it into the playoffs. That is technically mathematically possible. But when you also consider that the AFC North has Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and now Deshaun Watson, at quarterback, although we don't necessarily know how many games Deshaun Watson is going to be available, and it just stands to reason, like, of those seven teams, at least one or two are not going to be in the postseason. So, yeah, I mean, like, obviously there are a lot of teams making a lot of moves, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to translate to success. Do you get a sense, we'll stay with Deshaun Watson, do you get a sense uh, that he will definitely go on the list and for how many games? I mean, if, if you're if you're in the room, do you have a suggestion? I mean, how is this figured out, you think? Well, I, I don't think he's just going to be able to play regardless of if um, the cases are resolved or not before the start of the season. I, it, it just seems like the NFL understands the optics of having somebody play games without any sort of suspension 
um, just based on the way that these allegations look, right? I mean, I, you have 22 active cases still for sexual misconduct or assault. I mean, that, that's not something that you can just brush aside and have Deshaun Watson play. So if Miami had been able to trade for Deshaun Watson last year um, during the regular season, and there were 18 of the 22 cases um, plaintiffs that were ready to settle, if the other four had been willing to do so, then he would be a Miami Dolphin right now, and he would probably be having a very different conversation. But at that point, Miami was anticipating that they wouldn't have him for probably six games. So I think if you're the Browns, you could probably think six games to eight games maybe um, would be the suspension for Deshaun Watson at this point. But, I mean, look, they make that trade because it's not just for 2022. I mean, ostensibly this guy could be the Browns quarterback for the next 10 years or so. I mean, that's how good he is, and he's still in his mid-20s. How should we talk about situations like Deshaun Watson? Like, do you think overall in the NFL media there's been too much brushing aside of the allegations that he's dealing with, the allegations that are the reason he didn't play last year and is going to be suspended this season? Or, like, is it something that we don't shouldn't spend a ton of time on because he's still going to end up playing in the NFL? It's oh, a great question, and if I had the answer, I would probably be a media executive somewhere, you know, making a lot more money and not talking to you guys on a Thursday morning. Um, but, you know, I guess, like, when it – so I'll just use my own example, right? When the trade happened on Friday, we had our show PSTP streams on Peacock at 2 p.m. Pacific every day, uh, weekday, that you guys can all watch. And Peacock is the exclusive streaming home in the office. So you should definitely have that app. Anyway, I, when we start the show, I mean, I really started saying that, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, it's a little uncomfortable in some ways to talk about somebody just as a football player when there are still 22 active cases of civil litigation against this person, right? And not only that, but he just signed a, a $230 million contract for five years, all of which is fully guaranteed. It's an unprecedented contract for an NFL player. So I think that there has to be some nuance in what we talk about, right? I mean, because it, if it weren't the Browns, then it was going to be another team. We all know that. Deshaun Watson is too good of a player to not be a quarterback in the National Football League. And at the end of the day, it's the team's job to win, right? And I think also, if we're talking about guys with off the field issues, and like I don't, I, I hesitate to use that term because like this is not just you know a little issue, right? He didn't just get a parking ticket, you know what I'm saying? Like these are serious allegations. Um, I, I just, I think that sometimes, obviously, the discussion is going to be about what he does on the field. Once he gets back to being on the field, yeah, like that's what we're really going to talk about. But I, I also think in some ways it's a little bit disrespectful if we don't acknowledge the fact that this is somebody, as you said, you know, that did not play last year because there were 22 lawsuits, active lawsuits uh, alleging sexual assault and misconduct, and also there was a criminal investigation that just got resolved a couple weeks ago. So it's, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer, but I, I think that it's at least right to acknowledge what's going on around Deshaun Watson because otherwise he wouldn't be in the situation in the first place. Follow him on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. It's Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk here on the Press Box. Uh, all right, let's go through some of these because nine Pro Bowlers uh, have been traded this month. 
any standout to you is going to make the biggest difference. We talked about it before you came on with quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan. Do you immediately go to the quarterback, or do you see you know some of these wide receivers like Adams Hill and or Khalil Mack at his position that could make a bigger difference? Well, I, I really think that the Devontae Adams trade has had like a lot of different reverberations. And, I mean, obviously, when he comes to Las Vegas, like, that's huge. And I really think that, you know, his addition, the addition of Chandler Jones, you've got Patrick Graham coaching up um, Jones, who was a position coach a long time ago when he first got in the league. Max Crosby is already there. You add Josh McDaniels, I think that you've gotten a lot better in a lot of different respects for the Las Vegas Raiders. And, you know, also, I think, you know, your colleague, my old colleague, Vinny Bonsinger, pointed this out on Twitter yesterday. Like, when you get that huge Devontae Adams extension, it also basically has the effect of pushing Tyreek Hill out of the division. So that's something that I didn't necessarily expect, you know, when I really don't think that getting Tyreek Hill off of that Kansas City Chiefs roster makes that offense any better. Right, so we're talking about a top-five receiver in the league. Some might call him the best receiver in the league based on his speed and how he really is a potential touchdown every single time he touches the football. So getting rid of him does not make the Kansas City Chiefs any better. I mean, you can talk about draft picks and, you know, assets all you want. Like, it takes probably three people to do the job that Tyreek Hill was doing. And that's not to say that somebody can't replace him. And, you know, obviously if they still have Patrick Mahomes, it's fine. But I think that Devontae Adams trade and then the contract they gave him is going to end up being one of the most consequential moves of this 2022 offseason. Does Tyree Kill get used like Debo Samuel in Miami? <laughs> I don't quite think so because he doesn't quite have the size. So one of the great things about Tyree Kill is that, I mean, he is so versatile. He's fast. He can play different. He can line up at different spots along the offense. You know, if you want to talk about the slot or on the outside, he can run good routes. Too. You know, I mean, look, it's not just like he's going on streaks down the field. And frankly, if Tua Tungavailoa is your quarterback, that's not going to be the most effective way to use him anyway. So I think that Mike McDaniel is going to get creative, you know, use him in that jet sweep game that we've seen so often um, from teams like the San Francisco 49ers, like the Rams, right? I mean, I, I think that those things are things that Hill will still be involved in. But Jalen Waddle, I think, is more or less that Debo Samuel type that could go out there and maybe do some of the things that that Debo Samuel's doing in in San Fran at more in Miami than uh, Tyreek Hill. But I, I do think that McDaniel's going to be pretty creative in utilizing him in different ways. I mean, because look, necessity is the mother of innovation, right? You've got a limited QB, frankly, in Tonga Bailoa, and it, the best way to help your limited QB is by being creative with the guys on the outside, I and mean, you have speed. With Waddle and with Hill, like that, that's going to open up some things. At least it should. I was going to ask you about him. Uh, no more excuses. As limited as he is, they got him the tackle. They got him Tyree Kill. Good running back room. No excuses for Tua. Absolutely, and like this, I think is the year to do it, right? Because after this season, they have to figure out if they're going to give him the fifth-year option or not. So either he's the guy, and you've given him, I think, pretty much everything he could ask for to try and succeed in year three, right? You've got him a creative offensive head coach. Yeah, and they've not necessarily had that, um, that offensive creativity, if you will, in the first couple years of Tungvalu's career. You got him a tackle, and, you know, Armstead is the front side tackle. He's playing left tackle for Tua because he's throwing with the left hand, but still, that's important for pass protection. 
And now that he not only has Waddle, but they brought Sissy back, they brought in Tyree Hill. There are no excuses, right? We were going to see if Tua can be that kind of franchise quarterback or not. And if they're in the quarterback market next year, they've got the ammunition to maybe move up, to maybe go get a veteran guy who might become available. Um, and we'll see what Miami does from there. All right, Miles, before we let you go, uh, one word answer to these two questions. What team does okay. Baker Mayfield play for next season? Seahawks. What team does Jimmy Garoppolo play for next season? 49ers. Oh, all right. Well, he is Miles there Simmons from Pro Football Talk. All right, follow him on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. Thanks, Miles. Thanks, Miles. Appreciate it. Thanks, all. Take care. Oh, I like so, that. Wow. Yeah, I, I like mean, that. We, we talked about it a little bit yesterday with just the 49ers maybe overestimating how many teams would actually want to yeah, drop what the market maybe, was what the market bear right maybe underestimating how many quarterbacks were actually going to be on the move <laughs> this offseason so i i I think it's possible that he just ends up in San Francisco again and that they kind of have to choose between Garoppolo or Trey Lance next yeah. year think so. about think about John Lynch calling John Elway and just being like all right man what what will you give me for Jimmy I, I I just got Russell Wilson. <laughs> well, you you did? Oh, man. So, Baker Mayfield is a Seahawk. Jimmy Garoppolo. I like those I like those guesses though. Yeah. That division's going to suck. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, unfortunately, we're going to give Jared control of a segment and it'll be Jared some questions. But first, We've got two tickets to go see Megadeth. They are coming to Las Vegas on April 9th at Michelob Ultra Arena. If you want to go see Megadeth, call in now. 702-364-1100. That is 702-364-1100. You'll want a pair of tickets to go see Megadeth on April 9th at Michelob Ultra Arena. Caller number five at 702-364-1100. I should have known. She didn't like me. I don't think anybody likes you. Jared, if you put your hands up like that again, we're getting a new producer. I like me. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. All right. Jared gets to ask us dumb questions. What do you got for us today? So first, you may notice that I have I didn't use the Jared's dumb questions imaging. I may have accidentally deleted the Jared's Dumb Question imaging, and I will have to make new Dumb Questions imaging. So if you guys have anything dumb that I've said in recent memories, go ahead and uh, send it to me. Every time you turn on your mic? Well, no. Hey, I derailed the show. It's not always dumb. (laughs) But that is fair. So I don't, because we don't do this as often as I would like, I don't remember from my list of dumb questions what I have asked you. So... Have I asked you about thick quarterbacks? Uh, No, we've talked a lot about hand size, but I don't think we've talked about thick quarterbacks. So the era of the thick quarterback, I think, has officially ended now that Ben Roethlisberger has retired. What you used to see is you'd see guys like John Elway and Dan Marino and Jim Kelly when they were drafted were these very schvelt, very thin guys. And then they get into their mid thirties, and it was just like, "Oh, that's a dad bod. That dude's not like he didn't get he didn't get swole. He just got beer." So, do you guys think that we will ever see another quarterback? And to a certain extent, Jameis Winston, he's he's on the line, but well, just guy that you're like, Jesus, dude, like go like like cut carbs, do something. 
if we're talking about Jameis Winston as the current thick boy of the NFL quarterbacks, I don't think we're ever going to see true thick boys at quarterback again. Am I wrong to just consider a few years down the road Russell Wilson? <laughs> well, I think it all depends on whether or not he's getting paid by like a uh, a sports drink bubble special water company to be like, dude, you got to stay in shape. <laughs> You're trying, making I'm, us like it's not a good look. I, I especially enjoy like Frank Thomas is out here like I'm still in great shape. But it's like, dude, based on the commercial. You don't look like right, you're in that right. good of shape. Uh, I don't know I why have... I said Russell Wilson, but I do think he's got some. Well, he's thick just in general. To him. Yeah. But I'm talking like the full on like. Like Roethlisberger. Yeah. Just like, Jesus, oh. you look squishy. In, in... So there's a, I found a, I found a list here. That one sports has heaviest quarterbacks in NFL history. And I think these are the, these are the top seven. Uh, ben Roethlisberger comes in in a tie for sixth. With Donovan McNabb. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Chunky. Yeah. yeah. Both of them weighing uh, 240 pounds. Uh, coming in at number five, Tim Tebow. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember him. Ever. He was in shape, though. I mean, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't pudgy, but no. he, he was big. Still big. For, I mean, hell, he tried to make the NFL as a tight end last year. Uh, coming in at number four, Dante Culpepper. Okay. 264 pounds. Uh, I, I have never heard of number three. Number three is Bruce Eugene. Never heard, never of, him. heard of him. Never heard of him. Drafted by the Saints uh, in 2006, but got cut in the preseason. So maybe oh, that's Come why. on. That doesn't but count. He he had a really good Wonderlick score, and he weighed 260 pounds. Oh, I guess he'd um, have to. Coming in, coming in at number two is Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, there was yeah. a point where... Uh, the Arizona Cardinals needed both a right tackle and a quarterback, and people were joking. He could play he both. He could play both. And number one. <laughs> Hold on. Let me guess. Jared Lorenzen. Jared yeah. Lorenzen. Jared Lorenzen. Oh, okay. Rest in peace. Yes. Jared Lorenzen. Jared yes. Lorenzen. Uh, 275 pounds. What's actually, a li- I don't know if this is sad or what, but I, just, I Googled fattest QB <laughs> in NFL, and, it, and the first thing it brings up is Jared Lorenzen's Wikipedia page. I mean, he fa- that that's what he was kind of famous for, the hefty yeah. lefty, and then Man. tragically passing what, away. What was what was his better nickname? Hefty Lefty or Pillsbury Throwboy? Uh Pillsbury uh. Throwboy. <laughs> like that's <laughs> That's said by that was said by a defensive backs coach with chaw in his mouth. <laughs> we can't let the that best. Pillsbury Throwboy score does Every seven on seven. The best part about Jared Lorenzen is he was like actually good at Kentucky. Like he was actually a good NF or college quarterback at Kentucky. Like it's phenomenal that he was that big. And yeah, I'm just going to like beat Tennessee here real quick and in an SEC game. And it's going to be great. 38. That's too bad. That's yeah. That's that the horrible. sad part. But wow, Jared, you, Jared's dumb questions got sad on us. Well, I, I didn't know you'd go to the list, the historic list, because well, I have more I have more dumb questions. Nope, we're right here on fat quarterbacks. That's probably the best thing. I mean, Ed, you'll have to give us some exclusive reporting. Like, how big was Marcus Mariota? Is there any chance he? Oh uh, no, he was, he, no, he was no. barrel chested. I don't all think right. he, I don't Are, think he was hefty. I don't think he was hefty at all. 
are any none of these quarterbacks coming out in the draft are thick, are they? I'm trying to think. No. Corral isn't. No. no, I don't think Malik is. They don't even have uh, thick hands. Desmond Ritter is. <laughs> Never mind Come being over. thick around the middle. Be the yeah. be the Panthers and call over Kenny Pickett. <laughs> let me see your hands and let me see that tummy, boy. Yeah, let me see that How stomach. Thick are you? Lift up your shirt. <laughs> Four quarterbacks. <laughs>